This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your plastic coast hobby. Nice. Um, well, it was either that or I say too gay to function because I, the gay friend is just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you could have also said, ho said, don't go here. Ah, damn it. Nope, that's it. <laughs> Host who doesn't even go here. Doesn't even go here. The hoes that don't go. (laughs) All right, this is we're talking Mean Girls this week, and this is funny because this is a movie that like I've heard the lines that have become famous and quoted from this movie. This is my first time watching this movie from start to finish. That is that's still mind boggling to me like that you've gone this long without watching this movie it's pretty crazy it's another one of those movies in that strange like vein of like good movies that everybody likes that for some reason it just has not like crossed my path yet so again this is we've talked about it at least off off air uh that this is kind of a year for us to really explore stuff we haven't seen before (laughs) and i think (laughs) we've been doing a lot of that to be quite honest yeah i'm actually really excited so please do not be afraid to put in any suggestions we will consider them at the very least (laughs) but it's interesting because you've used jokes from this film like as we're just hanging out casually yes like you picked me up from my house and said get in loser we're going shopping (laughs) (laughs) my favorite one is get in loser we're going losing (laughs) (laughs) Which is not an actual line from this movie, but it's like a meme that's been generated from it. It's a meme. So yeah, all right. So 2004, Mean Girls. This is kind of like the early aughts, SNL heyday. So it's like a Lorne Michaels, like, you know, produced project. Um, It's, I don't think I've ever really been familiar with the people who did this movie before. And I didn't realize that Tina Fey had written it. Um, so I was very, so I was very excited to, to, to get into it again. It's a movie that like I know of and I know everything about, but Mm -hmm. I had never seen it before from start to finish and I was excited to get into it. So, um, yeah, it turns out Tina Fey read the book, which apparently this movie was based on a book, which I had no idea, but, uh, what's it called? Uh, queen bees and drama. No. Dream, I can't talk. Queen Bees and Wannabes was the name of the book, which was kind of like a self help movie or self help, uh, non fictional book about how to like how girls in high school can navigate different like cliques and dealing with bullying and kind of what it's like being an all American girl. And then Tina Fey, like, um, you know, she pitched the idea to Lauren Michaels and turning into a movie. They worked together. She workshopped the script using her own experience in high school, which, I mean, Tina Fey is a fucking funny person. Like, I'm not going to take away anything from her, uh, from her talent. So it was, it was cool. She was able to workshop that in. And that's kind of how she created, like, North Shore High School. Yeah. Um, this movie's also, so it stars Lindsay Lohan, who is kind of in, this was her heyday, really. Like, mm-hmm. there's, uh, she was very famous in the 90s because she does that remake of Parent Trap uh, from Disney, right? That's right. Um, she also does a, it's it's a not quite decom movie, but but kind of a decom movie, and it was always on Disney Channel. She does a movie with Tyra Banks called Life Size, where where Tyra Banks plays uh, her doll that's come to life, <laughs> and um, 
I, you know what? I can't really explain much of it, but you need to watch it. Uh, well, <laughs> You're like, trust any, me, in the anyone 90s, who's interested, anyone who's interested in the concept of it should check it out. I'm sure it's somewhere <laughs> on the internet. But she does that, and then uh, Freaky Friday, the, the year, yep. the year before this, with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, which is really big. And um, so, so yeah, Herbie fully loaded around this time. She did. Probably. She was. I think she was also doing music. Um, she was. Yeah, and the thing now too is like at this point in her life, she's kind of been out of the public eye for for quite a few years, and you know, it's the often you know as as often as the case with kid actors, it's you know as they grow older, some of them you know have problems with their emotional and mental health, and uh, you know she's also just had tons of issues like stints and rehab um you know not sure what for but you know again it's it's it, it's just she's now barely coming back like i think i saw her in pepsi commercials for, <laughs> for christmas um i think she still does something here and there like we'll do projects here and there uh but i don't know that she'll ever kind of capture the just the giant moment that she had here um and she just she's had like these weird projects that she comes back for. Like I remember in 2012, her big comeback was kind of supposed to be uh, her playing Elizabeth Taylor in like a uh, in like a TV biopic, um, and where she's I guess it was supposed to be the the story of her Elizabeth Taylor and her husband Richard Burton. And if that sounds familiar to you, Richard Burton, we reviewed him very early in the early run of the show he was an actor who plays uh the priest uh uh father lamont i think in exorcist 2 <laughs> among oh my other God. History. um no, yeah i don't want to remember exorcist 2 <laughs> so besides being known for i mean i'm sure he was known for other movies but the only thing i've ever seen him in is exorcist 2 <laughs> no um but apparently he was married to elizabeth taylor and uh the movie that Lindsay lohan was in uh was called liz and dick and it was supposed to be the story of her marriage to him so gotcha Uh, another movie i have not seen again i haven't watched any of her newer stuff so i mean this is this is kind of where it ends with me and Lindsay Lohan. I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's like it's not like you know a Lindsay Lohan movie comes out and we come clamoring to the doors for it. Like, like you're right. Like she was very popular around this time, and she really kind of encapsulated. And you know what it was? It was one of those like that's the thing about this movie and two. It's like this movie hit the right spot where there was like certain people, like certain age group of people that have like kind of grown up with this movie now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're right at that, you know, like eighth, ninth, tenth grade when the movie like starts. Um, and you're just like, like, you know, you just kind of you follow these these characters and you follow the actors and it was just really it really is a time capsule of its time a time capsule for its time and one of those movies where you didn't realize that like so many people that you knew from other stuff were in it as well like rachel mcadams is in this um tim meadows is in this amy poehler and you know um and Tina Fey, obviously. And uh, in it. Yeah, Lizzie Kaplan's in it too, and it's just it. Yeah, I I didn't remember, like I didn't not remember because I didn't see it, but I didn't recall so many people who were famous for other things being in this. I forgot what movie I watched recently where I found the same thing happened, where I was like, "Holy shit!" There's all famous people. In this. Yeah, but uh, even the. I mean, this means nothing but for me and, like, five people, but the janitor from Scrubs is in it, and I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So I think that's kind of... I think that kind of wraps up our experience with it. I'm trying to remember when... <laughs> we have a lot of experience with it for pe- for someone who... For, at least for me, for someone who hasn't watched it yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to remember what, what was the first time I watched this movie, and I can't really remember... 
I'm pretty sure I saw bits and pieces throughout and eventually pieced it together as a full movie, like in high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like it's just one of those things. Like, it's one of those movies that I knew was out there and I would watch it and I was familiar with it, but I was never like, um, but I was not ne- like, I was never in like a hurry to watch it. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because I do remember this movie came out, I think, when I was like in eighth grade. And like my guy friends quoted it way harder than the girl, like the girls in her class, <laughs> which I always thought was really interesting. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those movies that it's like, yeah, it's 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 you know specifically like uh, a story about like you know young women and kind of dealing with the pitfalls and stuff in high school, but it's also like just a good high school story too. Mm-hmm. So I think with that, let's jump into it, Angel. Sure. Uh, so the movie revolves around Lindsay Lohan's character, Katie Heron, who is, uh, I guess, she grew, she's she's been homeschooled pretty much all her life. And uh, this is supposed to be her big return to the U.S. after she had lived in Africa for 12 years. Um, and I guess this takes place in, in Evanston, Illinois, which no, to this me feels like a made up place uh, it could be um but... oh no it's not it's actually a real city <laughs> wow well what i think of when i see illinois and probably means nothing to you but as someone who is a follower of like 80s and 90s teen movies a lot of those uh john hughes movies from the 80s i think because he is from kind of like the greater chicago area a lot mm-hmm. of them are like suburban illinois high schools uh (laughs) where where his movies are taking place you know what's the name of the bit like that like common city that's used do you remember no (laughs) it's like point something but i remember there's this joke in dogma where jay and silent bob (laughs) they get lost on their way to illinois because they're trying to find that where john hughes makes his movies because they (laughs) think it's a real city and they're trying to hook up with molly ringwald (laughs) Well, the funny thing, too, is that obviously his movies take place in Illinois, but most of them are shot in L.A. <laughs> yeah, and the time-honored tradition. And also, rec- I also recently watched uh, Ferris, Bueller's Days Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so it's it, it, that kind of John Hughes aesthetic is, is fresh in my mind right now. Um, mm. But anyway, she, she uh, is in this new school. There's a, there's a fair amount of narration that's done here. Um, where she like you know, which it lends itself for first... this type of movie. Like yeah. I, I feel like I do think is... it's <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like jokes that we were way comfortable with making, like in the early aughts, that you're probably way less comfortable making in the early 2020s. And you know, I, one of the ones that really made me laugh was, um, <laughs> you know, the new student that's coming from Africa. And Tina Fey's teacher character <laughs> singles out like the only black student that she sees there <laughs> as like welcoming her as a student from Africa. And she like just looks and says that she's from uh some city in Michigan. And yeah. it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just like I'm from Michigan. And Tina Fey's like, <laughs> oh fuck. Um yeah, no, and I guess I guess her parents are like in what are they archaeologists or what <laughs> or 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 like anthropologists? You know, like they're research professors that work for some university, and it sounds like I think they're anthropologists. Yeah, that sounds like that. That that's what it felt like. Um, and they're very hippy dippy granola munching type of people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I also understand you have a sixteen-year-old kid that's been pretty, pretty sheltered for most of her life, so you probably do like. But right away, as soon as they move to the U.S., they let her pretty much do whatever she wants. There's like, <laughs> they're just like, "Go ahead, kid. We don't need to, you know, protect you or set boundaries or anything." Yeah, and I guess it, it's like the the girls that she ends up hanging out with. So there's a couple things. I'm very well aware of the friend group that Lindsay Lohan hung around with, which are called the Plastics in this, right? Oh, I think um, Janice and Damien. No, that's the funny thing. It's like when you watch it when you're when you're watching a movie on the outside. Really, I thought the movie was all about um, Lindsay Lohan 
then like her becoming friends with these people and it kind of just being like a, the story of her, you know, you know, becoming one of these mean girls and all of a sudden, you know, not, <laughs> but mm-hmm. which is not, it's not totally, you know, I'm not totally incorrect on that, but it, it it's, it's way different getting there than I thought, because again, Lizzie Kaplan's character and, uh, Gosh, what is the other boy character's name? Damien. Yeah, Damien. Damien and um and Janice. Uh, I, I had not really seen anything on their characters. So I was really pleasantly surprised that really that 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 Janice and and um and Damien are the two people that she makes friends with um first before anyone else, and they're basically <laughs> the ones that like you know explain to her who is who. I need to start writing down, like, on my arm that Lizzie Kaplan and Kat Dennings are two different people. <laughs> <laughs> because I swear to God, I, when I was a kid, and even up until a week ago, I thought Lizzie Kat, I swear to God, I thought Kat Dennings was in this movie. <laughs> they don't even look alike. They kind of look alike. They're fair-skinned white women. With dark hair, that's enough for me, apparently. <laughs> but I swear to God, right now when you were like Lizzie Kaplan's friend, I'm like, does he mean Cat Dennings? And I'm like, oh my god, that is not Cat Dennings. The hobby pays attention during movies; he knows what we're doing. <laughs> um, okay, so she, you know, as they explain to her who all of the characters are, um, you kind of learn in passing, you know, that I do. I do like the map scene where they show like all where all the clicks hang out mm-hmm. and it's like the Asians and then it's like the cool Asians. <laughs> <laughs> which like, is which is both like in offensive both but also offensive funny. and also like bizarrely progressive at the same time. It reminded me of Daniel and the cool Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like, the vis- yeah, the visual style of the map as well as you said. It is something that's pretty neat. And it's funny because it's it shows that even though twenty years later after these tropes have been still been established, they are pretty true. And as someone that is currently interning at a high school, <laughs> yeah, like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. Like kind of as you're saying, you 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 start learning kind of who who the main like. I guess clout people that carry clout in the school are. Uh, and of course, everything always goes back to the plastics, which include uh, Gretchen Wieners. Um, oh, God, I'm like blanking on the rest of their names. There's Karen Smith. And then, uh, and then uh, of course, Regina George played by Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. Which I feel bad because it feels like the girl that played Gretchen didn't really do much after this movie. It felt like the, like Amanda Seyfried went on to do at least some stuff. And yeah. I mean, yeah, Rachel McAdams went on to do the notebook and break through so many hearts. Like I mean, I see I've seen Lacey Chabert in things before, and I had seen her in things previous. Um she's actually like the actor that I knew more than <laughs> Amanda Seyfried if you if if I would have seen this like four years ago (laughs) really well okay so she she was in party of five which was like a late 90s teen drama that Mm. nev campbell also starred in um which i do i don't want i don't know how to explain to you why i (laughs) watched that but i did why you were (laughs) an eight-year-old child watching party of five um and then she also does the voice of well she did the voice for uh for one of the characters in a nickelodeon cartoon called wild thornberries oh she Uh, she was eliza eliza man hobby doesn't know anything about movies Well, that's why. Never mind. I immediately retract that feel bad statement. She's awesome. She was also in the remake of uh, Black Christmas. Um, and according to her IMDb page and her Wikipedia, she has appeared in over thirty Hallmark movies. So there you go. She's just, she's a steady working actress. Good for her. Exactly. Good old Hallmark keeping people's careers alive like hers and Amy. <laughs> you know what else I actually remember of? I actually remember her in not another teen movie. 
where she like she ends up playing like a um the uh parody version of Jennifer Love Hewitt's character from Can't Hardly Wait. Which is another movie that honestly I hope we we review later at some point in the, in the run of the show. Oh no, it's not like we have control over that. <laughs> Damn, so how old was she when she was in this movie then? Like I think she's older than a lot of the other kids. Or than I mean, a lot of the other actresses. She kind of reminds me of like if you're into horror movies and you've seen like the Halloween franchise movies, mm-hmm. Daniel Harris, who plays like Michael Myers' niece in part four and five, she mm-hmm. comes back to do Rob Zombie's movie in 2007. Mm-hmm. And she's like 30 years old playing a 17 year old because she just kind of has like a bit of a baby face. Oh, <laughs> and even now, yeah. like in her mid 40s, like she like looks like she's still in her like early to mid 20s, mid 30s. <laughs> Oh, so so some people just have some people just yeah they have that youthful look about them yeah because i mean her and rachel mcadams were like in their early 20s when they were filming this it's also probably the voice too like oh that too she has this like tara strong like energy about her yeah so yeah fun fact i guess you know she was actually well rachel mcadams is actually the oldest uh, at least of the plastics. That's crazy, actually. Yeah, she. I think she would have been like twenty-two when they were filming. I mean, all of these people are like in their mid to late twenties. This is classic. No, that's know, the thing. They were kind of early twenties. They weren't. Yeah. It, it's not nine hundred two one zero, right? <laughs> oh yeah, not sorry. Nine hundred two one zero is where like forty-year-old Luke Perry, R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> was playing a teenager. You mean Jungle Boy's dad? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is yeah, this movie isn't as egregious as the like 90s series were. But yeah. Now this is like, like kind of like you were saying, right? You were thinking this whole movie is going to be that uh Katie is going to be seduced by the power of the plastics and she joins the dark side and becomes a mean girl. But mm-hmm. yeah, right off the bat, she actually makes friends with, like you said, Janice and Damien, and the whole reason she even, or she gets invited to sit with them during lunch, and the whole reason that even, she she even entertains that idea, is because Janice wants her to uh, infiltrate the group and find out as much secrets so that they can make fun of them later. So, and then, you know, like, I, I totally understand kind of Katie's motivation here, you know, you're you're new to school trying to make friends you're kind of willing to do anything you're just you just don't want to be labeled the weird kid the outsider the one that doesn't have friends mm-hmm. especially coming from a background where she was so isolated so and and she starts kind of uh and she starts kind of having lunch with them and that's when we start finding out some of the rules that the girls have things like you you know on Wednesdays we wear pink you can only have a ponytail like once a week. You don't wear sweatpants. <laughs> like goofy things like that that are all about maintaining the aesthetics of what it is to look like a, a plastic. And as uh, kind of the year progresses, Katie is in a... I want to say calculus class? I don't know. I wasn't into math. I didn't take math. <laughs> You're better with math than I am. I think the furthest I ever went was like trig, <laughs> and I never went any further. I don't think I ever did calculus in in, in high school. And uh, I think I did pre-cal in high school, and then I did calculus in like college. And then I was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna be a social worker." I never had to do math again. <laughs> no calculus for me. No calculus. Decomposing and be locker. But um. Yeah, while Katie's taking uh these calculus classes, she's uh meets Aaron Samuels, who is this super handsome senior that's in her math class. Yes. And she later finds out this is Regina's ex-boyfriend. And it's funny because Katie like is trying to kind of figure out how infatuation works. And I love the, I love the part where she's like on October 3rd, we you know, we started talking. And it's like, what's the today's date? Oh, October 3rd. And I remember that joke being a thing. Also, if you're mm-hmm. an anime nerd, that's there's a lot of people that love that from uh, Full Metal Alchemist. 
And then she starts kind of uh, developing these feelings for Aaron to which she, I think she tells, I think it was, uh, she ends up telling Gretchen about it. Mm -hmm. Um, who Gretchen can't hold a secret to save her life immediately tells Regina and essentially they kind of pounce on her on this three-way calling thing that the girls do where they mute people (laughs) they mute certain (laughs) people so everyone can hear it and then they just like throw them (laughs) under the bus Mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah at that point Regina like insists that it's okay if Katie has feelings for him that she'll put in a good word to Aaron for uh for Katie. But it's around this time that she also learns about the burn book, which is the scrapbook that the plastics use to just kind of like fill with a bunch of rumors and a lot of like mean things about like the students and the faculty at the school. The burn um, book. Oh yeah. Which is like where I guess they write every single negative thought that they have about the kids that they go to school with. Whether it's true or not. Right. That's the other thing is like that's kind of where a lot of the rumors that get propagated or that kind of be get told about people. Like there's the like, you know, you, you go through the burn book and they have the page on Janice where like the joke is just that she's just this giant big raging lesbian. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, she's just like, oh, that's too easy. That's something that people already expected from me. Um, but I think it takes us up to Halloween, where, um, Katie did again. Katie not understanding the the cultural norms. She actually dresses up for Halloween, trying to be fun, not realizing that in girl world her words not mine that's the one day a year you're supposed to dress up like a slut and not be judged for it hey. usually just... yeah <laughs> women should never be judged for what they wear first of all but <laughs> yeah we don't slut shame on this podcast we but especially on halloween damn straight but i swear to christ i'm like mentally preparing for how many wednesdays there's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, like when they get to this party, uh, Aaron and Katie are kind of like running around trying to find each other. Meanwhile, uh, Regina plays interference. And when Katie thinks that uh, Regina is going to put in a good word for her and talk to Aaron about her, uh, she actually ends up kissing her or kissing him in front of Katie, causing her to have this giant meltdown and freak out. Um and this is kind of what 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 really like pushes Katie over the edge and has her fully commit to wanting to destroy uh Regina George uh and fully commit to Janice and uh Damien's plan um and i think it's here where she also realize or she learns that um from Janice that Regina and Janice were used to be friends like they used to go to summer camp together but then she accused Janice of being a lesbian because she was obsessed with her and kind of had her like pushed aw- pushed away and off campus. And I'm just like, damn, dude! Like, <laughs> like, and I, you know, I gotta remember it's 2004. Like, this movie was filmed in 2004, and I'm like, yeah, this is like this at this moment. I'm not gonna lie, I had like a very cringe. Um, experience like rewatching this movie. It's uncomfortable. Like, rewatching back... teen movies from the you know nineties and aughts is weird, but man, that like early to mid aughts period, especially when you get to like movies that are a lot more male centric, there is. You mean <laughs> it, the it sex ugly. comedies? <laughs> yes, <laughs> sex comedies are the teen sex comedies are the absolute worst, and God. I'm pretty glad that like by and large they've mostly died out at this point i know the last one was maybe sex drive i've but never then, even uh, seen that one yeah and, and i, I guess like super bad you can say but that was more the deconstruction of a teen sex comedy <laughs> <laughs> but i just remember like looking back at how i was in high school and like all the weird fucking hang-ups i had and just being like 
Like, I can't help but cringe, which is good. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that if you're trying to, like, be on a journey of self-improvement, like if you can't look back and cringe at some point, then you haven't grown enough. Mm-hmm. And I think I talked about that on 500 Days of Summer. And I felt the exact same way rewatching this movie. Where I'm just like the way people like just treat each other and talk to each other and especially throw around like so like just negative homosexual remarks as if they're like insults. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like I just can't help but feel like, damn, I used to be like this. I am so happy I've grown up and am now not like this anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, it goes to show you it's like also a learning experience as well. And then from here begins the awesome montage of trying to ruin uh, Regina's life. (laughs) (laughs) So they start doing little things like trying to cut out her clothes so it looks like like, you know, it looks like her she has holes on her shirt but it just like shows her bra. Mm -hmm. Um, Starts giving her those I guess uh, supplements that are supposed to be that 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 she says are supposed to help her lose weight when in fact it's actually going to help her gain weight. <laughs> yeah, like they like, and it's funny because it, at least at first it feels like everything like they do is just like backfiring because again, like Regina is this character that has so much sway in her community in this high school community that like you know when they cut out her her shirt and she has her. Her shirt nips like hanging out. <laughs> like every other girl on campus does the exact same thing, and it's like perfectly okay. Um, and I yeah, like you said, they don't really start um making the headway until uh they start giving her those supplements to help her lose weight because she becomes obsessed with losing like three pounds. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, of course, that's you know, in one of those things where you watch it as a, uh, you watch it in as, as a kid, and you're like, "Oh yeah, she's she's a total bitch." So, ha, huh, like they're really fucking with her, and like she has it coming. But then you look back, and you're just like, "Damn, the stress this chick was under to look perfect was incredible." Yeah, like, again, things insane. that wouldn't fly. It's not that these things don't happen to kids in high school, but uh, movies are. I'm pretty sure most movies that come out now are a lot more careful to try to, you know, to try to portray some of these things. Like, again, it's just, there's a lot of, there's more fat shaming in this and, and, and homophobic language (laughs) than you would see in stuff that gets greenlit today. Oh, absolutely. And then, uh, of course, there's a candy gram scene that everyone loves where <laughs> Dean goes around dressed up. <laughs> I think he's dressed like as a teddy bear or something. And, of course, that's the one where he's giving everyone candy grams. And he's like, oh, four for you, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> and then none for Gretchen Wieners. And then he just, like, leaves the room. And then you find out this is all part of Katie's plan to alienate Gretchen so that they can use her to, you know, eliminate uh, who Regina can, like, control and manipulate and use to her will. And, um, yeah, like, they really, they really mess with, uh, they really mess with Gretchen. They get her to break all so that she can tell all the embarrassing secrets she has about Regina. Things like really personal things. Like it sounds like her family, her home life isn't the best and that her parents don't sleep in the same bed and maybe going through a divorce. <laughs> and then, you know, she also finds out or uh, Gretchen also gives up that Regina's actually cheating on Aaron, which Katie also uses to her advantage later to kind of force them to break up. Um, and yeah, like this is like I was saying, this is kind of where it ramps up because at this point is when Regina starts gaining the weight, um, and her reputation starts kind of taking a hit. And eventually, it gets so bad that the other two girls, like, essentially kick like Karen and uh Gretchen, essentially kick uh 
Regina out of the group and they nominate Katie to be the new leader of the Plastics. <laughs> Question, were you ever the leader of your friend group? Um, no. Oh, <laughs> you was. I was always one of the guys. Man, we had no leader. We just had the loudest. Yeah, I don't know if I ever had like a friend group. Like, I mean, I had friend group, but like the, the it kind of reminds me of like this thing on Twitter where it was like a joke on Twitter, like a month or a few months ago, where they were talking about like you know people who are the leader of their group mm-hmm. and how like some women talk about they only date men who are leaders of their group, and it's like absolutely no, I do not. <laughs> there is no leader of the group that I was in. No, um, I was the leader. No, I'm just kidding. I, I the other thing too is I just I hung out with a lot of different people and my school just wasn't really that big like you know like it, it's it's weird anytime I see like these teen comedies or like high school movies that are like these big big public high schools I went to like a charter high school which was like mm-hmm. really small and like my entire grade was less than 100 people so um, you pretty much knew everybody in your grade and you would, you know, it's just the the clicks didn't work. It's, the clicks just don't work the way that they do in these movies. So not at all. Not in the <laughs so there's school. like several degrees of separation between the world that these people live in and my actual high school experience. Now, nah, my friends know I was the leader. Now they listen <laughs> to my podcast because I tell them to. I'm like, y'all better listen. <laughs> No, like it, it was always interesting whenever there was this week. Like, and I do like that joke that's like women should only date the leader because it's like that's not how most friend groups work at all. So that's why it's always funny to watch these movies where it's like there's very clearly, you know, and of course it's written for a movie where it's like there's a hierarchy in the friendship. But I'm like, shit, if I ever tried, my friends would kick the after essentially ruining Regina's life and kind of like using these plant using these evil plans and they're finally coming to fruition. Uh Katie throws a party uh while her parents are gone and um uh, you know and she she you know she's trying to establish herself as like this new queen bee, right? Um so at this party she finally gets to some one-on-one time with Aaron and she ends up uh, admitting that she's been failing her, her math class on purpose uh, because she's been wanting to get his attention. And instead of him being smitten like she expected him to be, mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron gets understandably angry and feels like he's been manipulated and used and talks about how he likes Katie for Katie and not for you know who she's become because now she's just as manipulative um manipulative as the rest of the girls the girls that he you know no longer wanted to associate himself with it kind of happens really gradually too so like it like i think of katie as being very earnest and then all of a sudden it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's so like natural the progression that she goes to where you don't really turn on her right away even though you realize that what she's doing is like reprehensible <laughs> and mm-hmm. i think that's a really interesting it, it's just the testament to how good the screenplay is and the actors are because again like i didn't feel like i disliked her character at all even when she was becoming more and more unsavory yeah like as she's becoming this mean girl you're expecting it to turn and eventually like you're expecting it to be cartoonish and i think the following scene where she where damien and janice are like driving to the party after katie bailed on going to janice's um art show like you know like they start talking like and they start calling each other out right like at Mm -hmm. one point um like katie tries to say the same thing regina used to say about janice that Janice is obsessed with her and that she's in love with her and that's you know that she needs to back off uh Janice and and Janice tells Katie that she's become the same type of mean girl that she hated um and it really is nice to see that like again I, you mentioned like the fact that they're open enough to call each other out 
And I think that's what I was most impressed about watching this movie. Again, I, I didn't know that these characters existed in this movie. So the mm-hmm. fact that they're so prominent in this and that they are kind of there, it, it's, you know, again, the character of Katie is being pulled in two completely different directions. And, you know, to be pulled too far in either direction feels like it's not good for her. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting to like watch like both of her groups try to pull her in different directions and be like, yeah, well, I don't want you to be too much like that, but mm-hmm. I also don't want you to be like too much like that, even though they are the quote unquote, you know, more honest characters, characters mm-hmm. that you'd like. At the same time, you know, Katie will call Janice out on it that like, you know, they, it's almost like they are using her to a point. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like I like I in that car scene where they're like just driving around Katie and like Damien keeps saying, uh, I have curfew, we need to go. <laughs> like I love that Katie says to her, the only reason I even did all this was because you asked me to because you wanted to ruin Regina's life. And I love that, you know, I love that um Janice admits and she's like yeah because me and Regina are bitches that's what we do and she's like and she's like but you wanted to pretend to be this like innocent girl you don't want to admit that you had just as much fun being a bitch like us and that's what makes you worse (laughs) and so it's a really interesting scene I really like that there's a lot of subtext going on uh I love the I love the that's kind of like the main um to me the main conflict in this movie where it's like this girl has essentially been peer pressured into acting one way into doing something else and you know she's kind of losing her sense of identity while she's like coach code switching right going to these different groups um and the entire time not kind of realizing that she's also been a part of the problem feeding into all this <laughs> and uh also kind of shirking her own responsibility and what's been going on um but like you said she's never done in a way where you're just like no katie's evil or oh janice is a bitch or oh regina had it coming like mm-hmm. like it's one of those things where all these characters even though they're being shitty to each other are still very sympathetic in some way yeah, pretty much from there, Janice calls uh, Katie a mean girl, and she essentially says their friendship's over. Um, Katie essentially figures out, or um, I'm sorry, Regina figures out that Katie's been manipulating her and making making her gain weight. Uh, when she finds out that the Swedish bars she's been eating are just like <laughs> double carb chocolate, mm-hmm. all because of the guy she was dating. Uh, so the the way she retaliates is she ends up going public with the burn book, distributes it through school. Um, she goes to Tim Meadows's character who plays the um, who plays the uh, what's it called um, uh, the principal of the school. And one interesting thing about the burn book we didn't talk about at first is that while there is a lot of rumors and hearsay, there is like, there's some jokes about um, teacher or like students hooking up with teachers. And there's like, like there's the one where Katie um, uh, accuses uh, Tina Fey's character of being like a drug (laughs) a drug dealer who like sells crack or some shit Mm. so there's a lot of jokes in there that are meant to be funny but then you know there's some also dark truths in in the burn book so it's like not all like uh fun and games or something uh regina says fuck it scorched earth throw and she just like photocopies every page of the burn book throws it all over the school and so every girl in, uh, at the high school can find like these pages and find out all the all the rumors that have been going on about them. And it just leads to this giant fight between every <laughs> and it is anarchy. It re- I was like, man, this was like the karate kid fight or the fight scene from Cobra Kai. <laughs> 
And it's funny because the entire like the entire movie, Katie has been using the uh, allegory of the jungle and how you know teenagers just kind of react to hormones and are very animalistic. Mm-hmm. And then she becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that she is kind of inadvertently created, <laughs> where mm-hmm. she's created this pressure cooker that all it took was finally for the truth to come out and just everyone's fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the jokes in the burn book, they find out that the gym teacher who's been teaching uh, sex ed and health, who is really bad at his job, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they find out that uh, he's been hooking up with one of the students. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> one of the jokes is uh, as he's trying to keep two of the girls from fighting, Tim Meadows grabs the baseball bat. It's like, Coach, I need you to step away from the underage girls. <laughs> I, you know, I we hadn't even mentioned him yet, but Tim Meadows is excellent in this. <laughs> Absolutely, he doesn't have As principal that much screen time. But when he's on screen, he's amazing. Yeah, it's like the the subtle, horny flirting with uh, you know, with Miss Norbury, and just like the complete distaste and disdain with which he talks to all the students. <laughs> I love I love disdaining principles in movies. Like, <laughs> if we ever do Twenty One Jump Street. Wait, have we done 21 Jump Street? We've done 21 and 22 Jump Street, my friend. (laughs) Shut up. We have? You should go back into our catalog and listen to it. We have done both part one and two. All I can think about is when Jake Johnson is like, I can't believe it's your first day and you punched a gay black kid. I'm one more gay black kid getting punched (laughs) from having a mental breakdown. Well, the funny thing, too, is they're all kind of like these archetype principles based on... Um, the principal from Ferris Bueller in some ways, like, you know, who's played by super creepy Beetlejuice dad, who's also, you know, a pervert. Like in real life? Yeah. Oh, no. We've talked about this, right? I feel like we've talked about this in another episode. I don't know. I don't even remember what movies we do anymore. (laughs) I got my own problems over here. (laughs) Sounds about right. So at this point, um, Principal Duvall like smashes the fire alarm. Everyone gets sprayed by the by the fire hose. He takes the entire junior class, like girls, junior or the entire all the girls from the junior class. That took a while to say, and has an emergency assembly where they kind of talk about like the after you know the the consequences of the burn book. Mm-hmm. And how toxic the um, class kind of environment has been. Um, and this is where, you know, people kind of learn about, um, you know, like there's that joke like, oh, who here has felt personally victimized by Regina George? And it's like the entire class, including the staff raise their hands and you know like this is kind of like where they talk about how shitty they've been to each other and everything uh you know they've done to each other um and yeah like uh regina decides to take another crack at janice while they're doing um while they're doing the trust fall exercise this has your favorite oh this is the scene that has your favorite line where the girl just like talks about how all her emotions and Damien <laughs> Damien looks like the Unabomber with, with the like memed to hell and back line but probably the line that I heard first from this movie she doesn't even go here <laughs> My favorite part is and after watching it with more like, you know, now that I know more about history and pop culture and life and things, mm-hmm. like, it's hilarious that he's just sitting there with the hoodie, like, <laughs> super, like, tied around him with sunglasses. And I'm like, why is he dressed like the Unipopper? <laughs> So I also stupid. do like that instead of like questioning, you know, yeah, instead of questioning the kid who's dressed like the Unabomber, they go right away to asking her whether or not she actually belongs there first. <laughs> oh, God. 
So then, yeah, like I was saying, at this point, Janice is going to participate in the trust fall. Uh, you get that funny one where Gretchen was like, oh, you know, I can't help that I'm more popular than y'all. And then, like, the girls leave and Karen is the only one that tries to catch her. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, when Janice goes up, Regina's like, oh, look, it's her dream. She's going to jump into a pile of women. <laughs> it's like, what a bitch. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> we continue to laugh. Well, it's because I'm just laughing at a fucked up. <laughs> and then at this point, Janice turns around and she she reveals the entire plan that her, Damien, and Katie came up with to destroy Regina's reputation, how they did it. Everyone is impressed. They start cheering as Janice like sticks her middle fingers up and jumps into the fucking pile of girls and gets carried out. Uh, Regina ends up taking off running. Katie goes chasing after her, and then in the most left-field scene, again, Regina George gets hit by a bus, and you <laughs> get faked out into thinking she died. Yeah. Yeah, this is it, this whole turn is something like that feels out of left field as well, and you're like, okay, well, why did this movie decide to go in this direction? And uh, you know, it it again, really good writing because it it, it ends up just uh, you know, it like that scene of everyone in the gymnasium is kind of like where everything kind of uh like comes to a head right yeah Yeah, it all culminates um yeah because from then on um you know katie is pretty much person on grata right like she's just kind of no one trusts her no one likes her she doesn't really have friends Mm -hmm. miss norberry um does give her a chance to get her grades back up if she joins the mathletes Yes, which, you know, they were asking her to join at the very beginning. And I really want to get this character's name. Uh, our gentleman who is with the mathletes. Do we know the character's name? Uh, Yeah, Kevin. Kevin Napore. That's right. Wonderful. Yeah, Kevin. Which did you, he, see, hey, did like, you see again. a lot of yourself in Kevin? No, but I think another thing where we talk about, you know, how this movie is a little bit progressive is Kevin is actually going to be a someone who's, uh, you know, who in the end will get some play, <laughs> which again, <laughs> with, with Asian actors, unfortunately, in Hollywood, for the most part, a lot of them were treated as punchlines and no, you're right. very few of them are given any kind of, uh, you know, romantic involvement with any character let alone white female co-stars mm-hmm. and yeah so from here uh katie has been doing her best to try to reconcile with her parents uh trying to make up for with her friends and tries to go back to being like who she was before uh she became a plastic um she ends up going with the mathletes to the state finals where the entire championship is kind of dependent on her being able to solve um being able to solve like this final equation and i do like this scene where you know she's just looking at this other girl and she's already thinking of the millions of ways she can tell her, tear her down by like making fun of her um and she has that moksha moment where she's just like none of that matters though because what you know, none of that me talking about how her looks and making fun of her is not going to help me solve this math equation. So why am I doing this by default? You know? So she like goes into her question her own bitchiness and her own like problems with like jumping into that go, you know, that that kind of toxic mindset. So it's interesting because we as the movie progressed, we see her grow into this toxic mindset. And now we're getting kind of like the retreat from that and kind of um and kind of like her growth arc is finally coming to a head. Um and it's like and as they finish the question, uh she ends up winning the championship because the limit doesn't exist. And that is another quote like often quoted line. So after uh winning the championship, um you know, we get shots back at the spring fling dance, which I guess is supposed to be like 
uh prom for them i think i don't know but anyway like uh there's uh votes for who's the spring fling queen and it comes mm-hmm. down to like gretchen regina and katie and katie ends up winning um her and the mathletes end up showing up and she accepts the award uh but she ends up giving this speech talking about how um everyone deserves to feel like a princess and she talks about uh, all the girls uh essentially apologizing to the student body for kind of her part and like ruining their <laughs> their junior year mm-hmm. um and she talks about how everyone deserves to you know to be a part of like the spring fling and that they all are queens for a day or something i don't know like there's some good it's feel good vibes watch the movie you'll get the gist of it. and then of course this is the part you're talking about where uh where uh janice is just kind of by herself and then kevin comes in and he's like uh he's like you latina and she's like no i'm actually lebanese and he goes "Ooh, i love lebanese mm-hmm. and then they end up dancing and essentially, uh, kind of like the epilogue of the film, uh, you know, this takes to the um, epilogue of the film, Aaron and, uh, yeah, Aaron and uh, Katie have reconciled. They start going out. Aaron goes to college uh, in their senior year. Uh, Regina becomes like this badass lacrosse player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they find out um, Karen becomes like the weather reporter for the school. Gretchen ends up joining another clique with the cool agents. <laughs> um, and then Katie goes back to kind of her friend group. And essentially they're, um, you know, they're, they're just kind of enjoying their senior year with like now that all the toxicity of their junior year is over. And the movie ends with kind of like the camera panning over what appears to be a new generation of plastic, some freshman girls dressed in pink, walking in unison, and Katie saying, if anyone threatens their very precarious piece, we know how to handle them. Um, And just then, the uh, another school bus passes by and runs over all three girls. Yeah, this ending is really chaotic. (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) it's Katie saying, I'm kidding. So it's more her making a joke about it. Right. It's just chaos. (laughs) Chaos. It's everyone. It's a happy ending. Everyone learned to stop being shits to each other. It's pretty impressive. It is impressive that all the characters in this movie end up, you know, having end up in a much better place than where they began. And Um, yeah, I do think it's unfortunate that the gay character is not is not given such a satisfying conclusion as others but you know it's it's what else are you gonna do it is yeah. it is interesting that at least all the quote-unquote mean girls um end up getting some kind of resolution um and it's it's neat again it's like the fact that janice and damien are the are katie's true friends is just something that was so unexpected mm-hmm. but interesting but again the writing in this is really good it was a really, you know, um, I guess we can get into the end of this now that we're, you know, that we're done going through the plot of the movie. But, um, yeah, Angel, I found this like Mean Girls. I found this movie very enjoyable. Um, I watched it twice for this podcast, and um, yeah, I, I was really impressed by it, and I understand now why people are so into it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the writing is really good um it does have problematic moments to it and uh aspects to it but you know few things few teen comedies don't at this point it's just mm-hmm. you know our sensibilities have changed so much in all the time that has gone by that it's as you said it is more like a time capsule for the period of time that it's covering um than anything else and uh again it's just I like I like the surprisingly I like the narration in it and I'm not really usually a fan of narration in film. Um, it, it gives you something to kind of you know follow. It it's it's the style of it is a little Ferris Bueller like the fact that mm-hmm. you get a little bit of this uh you know 
third wall breaking or fourth wall breaking and um and narration so it, it's cool it, it's a really good movie and uh yeah i'm glad i watched it for this podcast yeah i think uh for me i gotta say i like the movie as well i think the movie was really tight well written like i think that i think what this movie does a really good job of that i was not expecting the first complete time i watched this movie was to have such a satisfying and end for every character involved like you said and mm-hmm. also for so many characters to be redeemed like you're so ready to be just right off like the entire plastics click from the beginning yes a a, and... a worse a worse movie and maybe a movie written by men has Katie as the only character that comes out looking good in this mm-hmm. and has the rest of the pra- the rest of the plastics girls um like you know no better than they were before the movie started and basically have them be more vanquished like villains in an mm-hmm. action movie <laughs> than than getting actual you know resolution Oh, it's almost like men don't know how to write for women. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that being said, it's one of those things where it's like, the, I wasn't expecting that, and I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really, you know, I, I think it's uh, it, 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 it's a good movie, and it definitely is, it was fantastic for its time. That being said, as I've gotten older, I, this is going to be really hard because I don't want to have fucking harp on too much. Like, I don't want to make it seem like I hate Tina Fey. But Tina Fey comes from a generation of joke tellers where very much it's uh here's funny joke, punchline is minorities. And I <laughs> and yeah. I feel kind of weird about that. <laughs> looking yeah. back. But that's the thing. That was SNL as a whole during that time. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's what I mean by what I say of like the fact that our sensibilities have changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I things that things that things that people could get away with, and you're like, eh, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, eh, it's just we pay closer attention to stereotypes now. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that now we are fighting for more, you know, diversity in Hollywood in screenwriting rooms when possible. Mm-hmm. It's 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 due to stuff like that, but. At least, thankfully, again, as I said, there's certain aspects of this where it doesn't go too far in in the negative portrayal direction. Oh no, there's no there's no long dong. dong Yes, (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing overly offensive, but I do think it does offer some really interesting things, like uh, how minorities absolutely felt entitled to drop the n bomb just because we thought we could because we were of color. Yep, (laughs) which. To this day is actually a really salient point. It is something that I do think needs to be talked about in communities of color, you know? Yep. So it's one of the it was one of those things where it's like, Absolutely. again, I don't hate Tina Fey. I do think she I do think she's funny. I think, you know, I, I think this is a very well written movie. Um, yeah, unfortunately it's just and again, and it was a product of its time. It's like that weird you know minorities being the punchline joke of the joke and these things do need to be called out not again, called out I'm... in a in a this is bad don't watch it but mm-hmm. called out in a be prepared you know it is it is something that wouldn't fly now yeah it's one of those things where i'm you know i'm not trying to be like oh fucking boycott dina fey like no fuck no like it's there and uh for better or worse it's there uh you know make of that what you will um I think it doesn't take away from the overall. I think this movie does has more positive uh, than net negative going on. But I think, but you know, it is also important to not just point out the good we like in art, also being able to acknowledge when there's some shitty parts of art as well. And yeah, I think with that, thanks everybody for listening to our Mean Girls episode. Why is my everything going off all at once? <laughs> um, yeah, and this is again, it, as you just said, you know, thanks for joining us for this episode. We're very glad that uh, it, we're we're now have settled into a new, you know, episode release 
we've now settled on Wednesdays being the days that we release new episodes of the show. So it is pretty exciting to have that. Um, this Do is we we're like looking... Wednesdays is what we'll call it. <laughs> we are looking on Wednesdays. We release episodes. Um, I'm looking forward <laughs> to. <laughs> I'm looking forward to us getting this regular release scheduled back up, and also very excited because the next episode that we're going to be doing of this show is going to be episode 150. We're finally at episode 150, and uh, I think the movie that we have selected next week is going to be one that I know for sure. You know, some listeners at least have been asking us to do it. it it's it, it's it's in the vein of this is the year that we're like, you know, branching out to cover movies that somehow we just haven't we just haven't seen yet <laughs> so mm-hmm. so i am looking forward to that uh for next week um please continue to interact with us on social media on our instagram account at do we like movies um please uh you know send us episode requests if you'd like uh via our email at do we like movies pod at gmail.com or you know dms on our instagram and you know leave us reviews on apple Podcasts if you can rating and review it helps raise the visibility of the show especially since we don't have really official advertising at this point in time um so you know it helps get the word out of the podcast and also try to give the show a rating on on spotify if you're able to and uh, we are very happy to have you guys continue following us on this journey and we look forward to talking to you guys next week